Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf Nun Dalit. I'm going to go from the fourth line, at the fourth last line of Nun Gimel Amud Beis, 53b. And today's shir is Le'uli Nishmas, Ben Sion Ben Avram Zevalevi, Ora Claire Bas, Gershom and Eliyahu Ben Leon. May their memory be a blessing. Now, um, today's daf, it's a remarkable, amazing daf. It's primarily about learning Torah. Just about every, it's a long uh, daf with a lot of agarita, a lot of deeper uh, concepts, which we won't have time to go into, but um, but important ones. And it's about learning Torah. Just starts with the uh, masses. It says, Rabbi Yossi Aglili have a Rabbi Yossi Aglili was traveling in the eve, on, on the way. And he found Bruria. Bruria was Rabbi Meir's wife. Also, um, what a, a remarkable personality. If you look through Al-Chas, she was very fiery, very wise, very learned. Um, yeah, Rabbi Meir's wife, the daughter of Rabbi Hanania ben Trajan. Um, so, so he asked her, Omar Law, he said to her, What's the best way to get to Lud? So, Omar Law, you foolish Galilean. Did Chazal not teach us, don't speak with, don't increase your, spe- your speech with women? I say the bare necessities. So, you should have said, which way to Lud? You shouldn't have said, what's the best road to travel on to Lud? You should have just said it in two words rather, much more concise, because Chazal say, don't speak unnecessarily with women. It's a big discussion. What about nowadays? No one seems to be careful of this. Um, so you can say lots of people don't know that you're not supposed to. I think one of the more, the answers is in their day society, women were much more or less frequently around. They were primarily, primarily at home. Even shopping and stuff was, I think, mostly done by the men. Um, and therefore it was much easier nowadays where every second, every second, you know, about 50% of the people you interact with, especially if you're going shopping or something, it's probably a higher percentage are women, so you can't really avoid um, conversations, so it wouldn't have the same implications, but I would definitely not say, again, we can look into that Mishnah in Avos, but I would definitely don't disregard it as uh, outdated and unnecessary. We know all the, the wisdom of Chazal is uh, eternal. So this Bruria, another story with Bruria. Bruria Bruria found this woman learning silently. She kicked him and she said to him, Doesn't the Pasuk say it, it will be arranged in everything and then it will be kept? Then you will remember your learning. It says, If it's arranged in all 248 limbs, of, uh, all your 248 limbs, then you will be able to keep your learning, then it will be guarded. If not, it, you will not keep it. You will forget your learning. I, you have to put your whole being, your whole body into learning Torah, and you must also learn Torah aloud. This We're going to mention this a few times. We're going to go into this a bit more. But the importance of learning aloud. One of the ways to make sure you remember Torah learning is to learn it aloud. Mary, um, you know, just one interesting point on this. This is where Jews, this is one of the reasons. Jews shockle because their whole body is getting involved in their learning or in their davening. It's not just their, not just their mind, not just their heart. They verbalize it. They put their limbs into it. Um, the interesting one question is that yeah, the Zohar very interestingly says the reason Jews when they're learning or davening often shake and shockle is because we say Ner Hashem Nishmas Adam the soul of a person is uh, the candle from Hashem 
So when it gets excited, when it starts to connect to Hashem, when you bring Hashem into your Neshama, then it flickers. So that's why Jews are often, uh, when they're learning and davening and connecting to Hashem, they're often uh, moving around and shockling, etc. The Kuzari gives a much more, uh, what did you say, a, a much more rationalistic explanation. He says, no, because in the early days, brooks were very rare. So how they used to learn is one person would lean in, have a chance to read. He'd lean back, try, go over what he had read inside, and the next person would lean in. So their practice was to lean in and out to give different people chances to read the text, and that's where the and children saw their parents learning like that, and that became the way to learn. Yes, Basil. Uh, somewhere I don't know. I must learn somewhere. Then we use the words call at small time. Yeah, it says uh, that, that if yeah that's brought by call at small I use all my bones to praise Hashem. Yeah, so they bring that's another source they bring for shockling. Again, you want to use all your bones for praising Hashem. I always wondered on that. Why? It's, it could, just as you can use your bones to praise Hashem by shockling, you can use your bones to praise Hashem by standing uh, rigid in awe of the Almighty you standing before and davening. So I don't know why. I don't think it's, you can say, I, th- I think you can say it both ways. It was just an interesting idea. Um, there are different, you know, different stories about different Kedolim, how they used to daven. I mean, here we're more discussing learning with your 248 limbs, and that's why it's important. Use your throat, use your mouth, use your things, emphasize it. Oh, another interesting discussion is, do you say Birchas Torah if you're just going to think Torah? So the, the, the halacha, as we accept it, based on Shulchan Aruch, is you only say Birchas Torah if you're going to be saying words of Torah. If you're just going to... Uh, be thinking words of Torah, you don't say Birchas Torah. However, the Vilna God holds thinking is one of the primary ways of learning. You Obviously, you read through it and you know the material, but you think, you analyze in your mind. So he said you definitely say Birchas Torah on thoughts as well. And that's the, that's the Vilna God. I wonder how, but I guess still, when you're going through the actual text, there's a huge mile in saying and expressing the idea out loud. Okay. Um... He had a certain time which was shown in Belacha. She used to always learn silently. After three years, he forgot his learning. Tana, and in the um, continuum of the sto- in continuation of the story, Tamar Echor Hoyo Loyle Rebi Eliezer or Rebbe Lazar Ben Yaakov. Rebbe Lazar Ben Yaakov had a certain Talmud. He was liable to, by heaven, he was liable to death, by burning. He says, Omru, but they said, He served a great person. And they say it was this person, because we say anyone who forgets one thing of their Torah learning is deserving of Misa. So by the fact he learned in an irresponsible way, he never expressed what he was learning with his mouth, he lost out. Rav Shmuel said to Shmuel said to Rav Yehuda, sharp one, posach pumakari. When you're reading psukim, say them, open your mouth, say them aloud. Posach pumatoni. When you're teaching Mishnah, learning Gemara, also say it aloud. Kihechi diskayem bos, so that you will remember it. But toyricha chaye, and it will give you long life. Shenemar, as the posach says, kichaim heim lemoitzi aim lechol besoram marape, marpe. 
They are life for those who find them and they heal all flesh. Don't read who find them. Prepare to those who express it with their mouth. So there's a special dimension of life that comes to you when you learn Torah aloud. Omelay Shmuel Lerav Yehuda Shmuel said to Rav Yehuda Shinana Sharpan Chatov Oichel Chatov Ishti the Alma Dazlin and Minei Ki Lula Dami. He says uh, um, Shmuel said to his student Rav Yehuda he often referred to him Shinana Sharpan because Rav Yehuda was very sharp. He says take the opportunity to eat take the opportunity to drink I grab and eat grab and drink because this world we're going to this we're passing through this world like a wedding you know everyone says look how much time and effort is put into the wedding and it's just one night that's he's saying this world is a fleeting existence if you have money this is how Rashi explains it if you have money you have luxuries take advantage enjoy them don't put them aside for later don't put them aside for uh, for, we'll see don't put them aside for your children you don't know what's going to happen to them or them this world's fleeting just take and enjoy them at the moment. Obviously, that's how Rashi learns. Obviously, others learn it spiritually. Grab, grab the opportunity to do mitzvahs and mass in Tomim. You never know, chas v'shalom, when the end is. So take the opportunity. On my life, um, um, yeah, along similar lines, on my life, on my life, on my life, if you have money, do what is good for you. There's no enjoyment in the netherworld. Death doesn't tarry. You never know when a person is going to die. And if you say, well, maybe I should leave my wealth to my children. Who told you the rules of uh, the next world? Who? How do you know? A different chat. And one is, how do you know that there will be any money existence? You can invest your money so securely. You can... You know, you can buy land. You never know what's going to happen to money. Maybe you won't have any, even if you put it aside for your son, or chas v'shalom, the death, the son might die first, and you're going to have all this wealth with nothing to do with it. So, uh, the people, people are similar to grass in a field. Some sprout and grow and flourish, and some wither. So you never know how it's going to turn out. So if you have something, enjoy it. We can discuss it with your financial advisor. I think he might tell you otherwise. But uh, this is uh, this is at least one point of it, I guess, is if you get too fixated on tomorrow, 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 whether it's enjoying this world, you know, I'm going to put my money for tomorrow, tomorrow, I'll go, you're never going to enjoy it. You, you, for, and for all you know, you're going to just, it's going to get lost and you don't know what's going to happen to it. Um, and secondly, um, from a point of view of mitzvahs, also just take advantage of what you have. Someone's walking on the on a, he's traveling and he has no one to accompany him. Learn Torah. They are literally we change the livias would be a it would be a gracious wreath or something or a graceful wreath. But here we're saying. Um, Levia from the word accompany. They, the words of Torah, can accompany you graciously. Chash if a person has a headache, Yasok Torah, delve into Torah. Shinemar, as it says, Kilivias Chain Heim Leroshecho, they will be a graceful wreath, they will help your head. Chash Begroino, Yasok Torah, if someone has a sore throat, he should also delve into Torah. Shinemar, as it says, Vanokim Legargorosel, they're a necklace for your throat. Chash Bemeov, if he has a sore stomach, Yasuk Patora, learn Torah, delve into Torah. Shinemar says, Rifucho Tehila Sarecho. It's Rifua for your navel. 
Chas ba'atzmoisov, if he has pain in his bone, yasov betorah, shenemar v'shikui la'atzmoisecho, if he's marrow for your bones. Chas b'chol gufo, if he's achy in his whole body, yasov betorah, delve into Torah, shenemar, as it says, v'lachol besorom marpei, it cures all his, his whole being. Omar Rav Yehuda bar Rav Yehuda bar says, Bore eish eloike midas ha-kodosh, borchu midas boso b'dom. Hashem is not the same as people. Hashem's character is his mida boso b'dom, odom noisein sam lechaveiro, leze yofe o leze kasha. If a person gives medicine to his friend, what, what it's, it's beneficial for this person and it's harmful for that person. Or it will help this organ, but it's detrimental to that organ. I mean, look at the, you take, uh, when you're taking medicine, look at the side effects of the medicine. It will help you with that issue. But uh, there are whole other complications that can arise. But Hashem, not this. It's not so. Not so by Hashem. Hashem gave Torah to B'nai Yisrael and it's a, Cure for all life. For his, it's, a, it's a cure for his whole body. It will heal all his, his whole body. The, um, the Marsha asks, there's a lot to discuss in this. What, do we, what are these different levels? Why does it start at your head, go to your throat, your stomach, your body, etc. Different levels. That's another one discussion to go into. A second discussion, the Marsha asks, it says in the Gemara elsewhere, that if a you're not allowed to cure yourself with words of Torah. You're not allowed to use words of Torah as a, as a cure. So I think if you take the Torah, one of the answers given is if you take the Torah as a magical cure. Ah, I've got a headache. Let me read these three psukim that I know if you say for a headache will work or sore toe. Uh, those are the psukim you say if we use it like a magical cure. That's a problem. But if you decide to delve into Torah and learn Torah, then almost one of the by-products, one of the side effects of learning Torah, is it will help your head, it will help your, um, it will help your body. Um, Omar Rabbi Ami, Rabbi Ami says, My dear what does the Pasuk mean when it says, Ki noim ki tishmerem They are pleasant when they are guarded within you. Yichoinu yachtov al shvoisecho When they are firmly attached together to your lips. So he explains the positive as follows. A Mosai Divrei Torah Noim, when do you find Torah pleasant? Bizman Shetishmerein Bevinnocho, when they guard it in you, when you're remembering what you're learning. The A Mosai Tishmerein Bevinnocho, and when do when when are they guarded? What helps them stay within you? Bizman Shilchoni Yachtvals Vosecho, when they are firmly on your lips. I, when you're saying the words of Torah. One again, this is tying back to what we started off this stuff with. Um, saying the words of Torah is one of the ways to remember it. Rashi says when you order and articulate them, very interesting that he adds in order. One of the great things, one of the things I remember my grandfather emphasizing a lot, he says you must learn to understand, you must learn for clarity. Granted you're going to have questions, but, but be clear what you understand and what you don't understand. And don't learn to come up with as many different complications and complexities. Learn to become for clarity. Learn for, for order. Learn to piece pieces of the puzzle together so that it is clearer and easier and you understand it better. And that will help you. And, he's, and that's what Rashi is saying. That will help you remember it. Rabbi Zaira, Omamehacha Rabbi Zaira said, you see that same principle from the following possible. Simchale ish piv. A person, it will bring joy with a person's answers. 
Bedavar biito matov. And how good is the thing in its right time? A mosai simchele ish bizman shemane shemane When will a person find joy? When will he enjoy his Torah learning? When he says it, when he can answer questions with his mouth. With his mouth. Lashon acher a mosai simchele ish bamane piv. When does a person get enjoyment with answering the questions? Bizman shedavar biito matov. When it's relevant to its right time. I think two pshatim in, what does it mean when Torah is most relevant? So one is when someone asks you a question, can you give the right answer? That's, that, there's a lot of enjoyment in, ah, I remember learning that sugya, I remember learning that mishnah, I remember that uh, rashi. That's, there's a lot of enjoyment when you can teach your Torah because you remember it. That's when there's simcha, when you can answer in the right time, when you have a question. Another explanation is, at, the, at that time of the year, there's extra simcha learning what's relevant to it. It's now sukkahs. You're wondering what to learn. You got a, your sukkahs built and you've got a few and you've got an extra half an hour, extra hour, whatever it is, extra 15 minutes today. What should you learn? Pick up something on sukkahs. Something about Lulav and Esrug, something about a sukkah, something to do with the time. There's a special enjoyment about... Um, um, with learning something in the time that's it's relevant, I guess when it's most practical. Rabbi Yitzchak says we see the principle from here. The matter is very close to you in your mouth, in your heart, and then you can practice it. When is Torah close to you? When you are saying it, when it's on your mouth. Again, learn aloud. And in your heart, and then you can practice it. I think he's saying also learn in a way that makes it practical. Rav Rava or Mamehacha Rava says from the following passage says Tamas Livonos no law, his the desires of his heart will be granted to him. And the utterances of his lips will not be withheld from him. When will a person be granted his desires? When he hasn't withhold from saying the words, when he says the words of Torah, there's a special aspect of he will be granted his request. Rava Romitsev. Rava learned this possible slightly differently by approaching it as a contradiction. It says, The desires of his heart will be granted to him. The requests of his lips will not be withheld from him. I, is it just as, as if you think something in your heart, will it be granted to you? Or do you actually have to express it? That's the Pesach says both. So which one is it? It says, If he's deserving, just the desires of his heart will be granted to him. If he's not worthy, well then only when he expresses, when he verbalizes it, will his request be answered. Very interesting. I think, I don't know if this is the true idea of uh, the true message of the satya, but one of those things that you can davening's not based on the usual calculation of how many rands you have in your bank account, can you afford it, then your davening works. No, if you express your wishes to Hashem, then there's a there's a chance they'll be granted. As long as you're davening. So you can daven even for things you don't feel you deserve, you don't deserve, whether or not, no, daven to Hashem and ask Him for Him. If you zoche, if you meritorious, if you're lucky, then just thinking what you want, feeling what you want, you'll be granted it. But if not, what someone verbalizes, I'm, I'm assuming that could be davens, won't be withheld from Him. 
Okay, Tana the Rebbe Elazar ben Yaakov. There was a teaching from the Yeshiva of Rebbe Elazar ben Yaakov. Kol motam shenema netzach sela vaed ein lo hefsek olamis. Whenever you see the following words, netzach, sela, and vaed, it means it will never cease. It's eternal, unending. Netzach. Where do we see this? Netzach tilsiv kilo olam oriv. I will not fight forever. I will not be angry forever. It contrasts Netzach to Le'olam, and therefore we see Netzach is eternal. Sela, where do we see that Sela means eternal? The Siv has it written, Forever Sela, forever and ever. We see Sela also means Olam. Vo'ed, where do we see that Vo'ed means that? You'll see as it's written, Hashem yimloch lo'olam vo'ed, Hashem will rule lo'olam forever vo'ed, forever and ever. Okay, now we go on to analyzing some of the psukim that we mentioned earlier. Don't know the one, towards the top of the page, we mentioned how Torah cures and can heal and bring relief to your whole body. It says, Kiliv yaschein heim l'roshecho v'anokim l'gar so he says, My dear, what does it mean that Torah will be a necklace around your throat? So he says, If a person makes himself like a loose neck, necklace around his neck, sometimes seen, sometimes not seen. Rashi says, You lean forward. Your beard covers your necklace. You put your head up. You can see it sometimes seen, sometimes seen. Talmudo miskayim beyodo. Then his learning will be, he'll remember his learning. It will be kept by him. His learning will not be kept in. So what does it mean seen and not seen? So there are many different explanations. One of the explanations is that he's not, he's not very showy. He's not always argumentative. He's not in your face. He's a little bit, he's humble. He's um, not always arguing. So that's the sort of person who will remember his Torah. The sort of person who's always visible. The guy who's always in your face. That's not a problem. Another pshat is because he's not outside it. He's not at every party and outside shopping, etc. He's sitting inside and learning. That's what it means. He's often hidden. Sometimes hidden, sometimes in public. Then he says, Elozo said, My dear sir, what does the following possible mean? His cheeks will be like a bed of spices. If a person is very humble, he makes himself like a bed that is always trampled. And like a bed, like spices that everyone enjoys. Uh, some say he teaches Torah so that they also get the pleasant fragrance. So everyone enjoys. He, he, he brings benefit to everyone. Then his learning will be kept. In love, he will not remember his learning. For Omer Ibelosa, further Ibelosa says, My dear Luchois Evan, what does the possible mean when it says tablets of stone, Luchois Evans? He says, If a person makes his himself like cheeks that never that like stone that never wear his makes his cheeks like stone that will never be worn down is kind beyond of in love in tamudam is kind beyond then he will tamudam is kind beyond of in love in tamudam is kind beyond he will remember his learning one shot is stone doesn't get worn down so you've got to make your cheeks you've got to approach your cheeks like that never never be concerned that they'll get worn down from speaking and learning words of torah they can go on and on and on like stone 
might it say, what does the post mean? Chorus al haluchos. The simple reading is engraved on the luchos. It says ilmale lonishbaru luchos harishonos. If not for the fact that the first luchos would not have been broken lonish, dachachot Torah Yisrael, the Jews would never ever forget Torah. And Om Rav Acha Bar Yaakov, Om Rav Acha Bar Yaakov says, "Ein kol ume beloshen shaletes bohem." No nation would be able to dominate the Jews. Shenemar, as it says, Chorus. Al Tikri Chorus Elochirus. Don't read it as engraved, read it as freedom. I, the first Luchos, brought freedom. There's a big discussion what's the difference? The first Luchos, many hold, were written by Hashem, and the second Luchos were written by, were carved out by Moshe. And the effect that they have, and the, what's the meaning that the first Luchos were broken and they were still kept, but then we have the second Luchos. Okay, but that's, uh, and these ideas are touching on that. Omar Amasna, my dear Sivra Amasna, says, what does the following possible mean? When we meet by Matona, it's a gift from the desert. She says, In Mesim Adam Atmo Kemidmar Zesha called Doshin Boy, Tamura Miskam Biyodov, in love ain't Tamura Miskam Biyodov. If a person makes himself like the desert that is always trampled, then the Torah will be kept by him, and if not, his Torah will not be kept by him. That's an amazing thing. I mean, we'll emphasize this a few times, but this is what we've seen twice now already. Torah only, Torah only lasts by those who are humble. It's one of the major prerequisites to become a Talmud Chacham, to be able to keep your Torah, to become wise in Torah, is humility. It's another thing elsewhere. We say that the Torah is compared to water. Why water? Because water always flows to the lowest point. So Torah goes to the most humble of people. Um, so that's, uh, that's this idea that the Torah um, goes to those who are humble. I think one of the explanations why, again a big discussion or a big topic to go into, but is that you have to be, if the Torah is from Hashem, and you, if you're trying to, if you've got airs about yourself, you view yourself as very significant and up there, well then how are you going to have room for what Hashem wants to teach you, what Hashem has to offer, for Hashem's Torah. But if you make yourself very humble, then you've made yourself... Uh, then you're very open to Hashem's uh, Torah and wisdom. Okay, Rava Breder of Yosef Bar Chama Havelei Milsa. Sorry, Mals. Sorry, Milsa. Sorry, let me just start the sentence again. Rava Breder of Yosef Bar Chama Havelei Milsa. Rav Yosef Behedja, Behade. Rava and Rava and Rav Yosef had a thribble with each other. Kimotemali Yom de Kippurei Omar. When Erev Yom Kippur came. He said, Azel Afaisei. Rava said, I better go appease Rav Yosef. It's Erev Yom Kippur, time to apologize. Resolve our foribles. So, he found his servant pouring, mixing his cup of wine. Remember, they used to dilute their wine. So, let me dilute it for him. So, the, the assistant gave it to Rava and Rava mixed the cup of wine. You have to remember Rav Yosef was blind, so he didn't see who had brought in the cup of wine. Could a time when he tasted it, Omar, Dami Wow, this dilution, this mixing of the wine seems to be how Rava tastes like how Rava does it. Rava had a very specific way of doing it, a specific measure, and he and it was the most delicious wine. So he says, Wow, this cup of wine tastes like Rava did. So he says, Omar I know who it is me. 
So Omar Lay Loy Taisi Bakrecha. So it seems that that they resolved the issue. And Omar Lay Loy Taisi Bakrecha at the Mafarshadi Hani Kroy. Don't sit, please don't sit down until you've explained the following pasuk. My dear, what does it mean? Now this, on the surface, this is speaking about the Jews' travels, but obviously there's a deeper meaning. They're just telling us where they travelled. So he says, My dear, Umi Midbar Matona. They went from Midbar to Matona. From Matona to Nachliel, Bamos, and from Nachliel to Bamos, Bamos Hagai, and from Bamos to the valley. Says Omer So Rav explained him. If a person makes himself like a desert, that allows everyone to trample it. I is very humble. Then Torah will be given to him as a gift. And just remember, we say Moshe was the hum- most humble of all men, and Hashem literally gave him the Torah to give out. And once it's given to him as a gift, Hashem makes it his inheritance. It will be with him forever. As the Pesach says, from Matona to an inheritance. Once Hashem has given it to him as an inheritance, he will be raised to greatness. As it says, from Nachliel to the hearts. The im... Megis Libo, and if he becomes arrogant, he will be lowered, as it says, from the hearts to the valley. So, as soon as a person becomes arrogant, he will be thrown down again. If he retracts, Hashem will raise him again. As it says, all valleys will be raised, will be lifted up. What does the following pasuk mean? Your flock dwell there. They prepare your goodness for the poor. Elokim, please Hashem. Im Adam meisim If you make yourself like a wild animal that um, tears at its food and eats, or you make yourself like a wild animal that doesn't care about getting dirty while it eats, Talmudam iskayim beyado. The Torah will be kept by him. What's pshatim? So again, there are a few pshatim, but the one Rashi brings um, is that it means if straight after learning something you run and review it. I think that was the imlav ain't tamudam iskayim biyoda. If not, he will not um, he will not remember it. And if he does do this, Hashem will prepare a su'uda for him, as it says, um, you prepare your good, Hashem, you prepare your goodness for the poor. Uh, continuing, what does the following passage mean? Someone who guards the fig tree will eat its Produce. He says, Why is the Torah compared to a fig tree? He says, Just as this fig, fig tree calls As long as he looks through it, searches through it, he will find figs. So to the words of Torah, as long as a person is uh, laboring, studying, thinking about them, he will find deeper reasons and explanations. A fig tree ripens at different stages. So every time you go to the tree and look, there's a good chance you'll find some figs. So so to Torah, this is a lesson in Chazorah, reviewing what you learned. So to Torah, um, 
every time that the person thinks, goes over a piece of Torah, learns through it again, thinks about it again, he will find more time, more tasty ideas, and deeper ideas, and deeper logics. Omri Bishmul Ban Achmeini, my dear Sivir, Bishmul Ban Achmeini says, what does it mean when the Apostlech says, Ayele Sohovim, V'yalas Kain, V'goymo, a loving heart and a gracious dough, etc. Now we're going to go through the whole Apostlech um, and explain it. So it says, Lama Nimshala Divrei Torah La Ayeles, why is it compared to a hand? Just as a, I, um, so my this uh, deer has a narrow womb. I don't know what that means. and is dear to her husband. She's they they're in love forever. She's always like like when they first laid eyes on each other. So to those who learn Torah are constantly in love with it, like they were when they first uh, met, first fell in love. What does it mean? A gracious doe. It gives um, graciousness to those who learn it. Her breast will satisfy you always. Why is the words of Torah compared to a breast? My dad says, Whenever a child, the baby looks for it, he finds milk. Every time a person thinks about them, he finds better, more explanations, more tasty ideas, more be- uh, beautiful and logical ideas. He's always crazy in love with her. This refers to Rebbe Lozo Ben Padas. They said about Rebbe He was sitting learning Torah in the lower marketplace of Tzipori and he had forgotten his jackets in the upper marketplace and he didn't care he was so caught up in Torah learning he was crazy in love with his Torah learning that he totally lost track of it and a person once came to steal it and there was a snake guarding it Ay Hashem, he did. If you don't worry about getting too caught up in your Torah learning, and what will you miss out? If I'm too caught up in my learning, I'll miss out important WhatsApp messages or important emails. Don't worry about that. Hashem will guard you, like He guarded. He sent a snake to guard uh, Rav um, Elazar Padas's uh, coat. Um, just interesting. I've mentioned this before. Um, I've mentioned this before, but I remember my grandfather speaking about the, the mile of getting caught up. It was a few days ago I mentioned the story with Rav uh, Motul Pagamansky. He went, he was staying at someone and he went and he asked them when supper, and they told him, oh, supper, when's supper going to be ready? And they told him supper will be ready in 10 minutes. He says, oh, I'm just going to go uh, learn a bit. And a few hours later, he went and he wandered around and he got so caught up in his learning, he wondered a few hours later, he came back and he said, is supper ready yet? That, and I remember my grandfather speaking, he said, no, like people are some, again, different middos, different qualities, and different people appreciate them in different ways. Um, but my grandfather always, uh, I remember lots of people complaining that, like, there's a time for davening, we always ran a bit late. The shir mincha was supposed to be at 1.20, or Korobah's one, and the shirim went on a bit long. Mariv was supposed to be at 7, and always started at best by 5 past 10, you know, 5 past 10 past 7. And, remember, and my grandfather said, that's a mile. He said, when you, you must get caught up in your learning. He says, you can't be learning Torah and see, oh, it's 7 o'clock and stop mid-sentence. He says, that shows you had no uh, real attachment. No, you weren't invested in it. You're not uh, 
deeply involved in it. You've got to be caught up in your Torah learning. That you've got to finish the sentence. You've got to, uh, um, yeah, be. Uh, you you've got to uh, become engrossed in your Torah learning. As I mentioned, there are different midos, different qualities, and different answers. Even in the Lithuanian yeshivas, some yeshivas had that approach. But like Kelm, which was also a Lithuanian yeshiva, one of the famous ones, they were particular. They were very, very particular about time. They would stop mid-sentence. They famously, in the summer years, they had a five-minute seder on Motzei Shabbos. Why? Because it's too late to have. By time Shabbos came out, it was too late to have a proper seder. But they. Um, it was too late to have a proper Seder, so they would have a quick five-minute Seder to show the importance of every moment. But again, they were very, very particular with their time. They could sit down and have a five-minute Seder. And again, if Mariv was at seven, you stop mid-sentence and things. So again, different emphasis, different values, but that was... I remember something my grandfather spoke about getting engrossed in your Torah learning. Okay, I'm going to quickly restart the meeting. Um, next piece. I'm on the second wide line of the uh, Nundalad Amud Beis. Tana Devei Rav Anan Maidilsiv. What does the following possibly mean? Roichvei Asonos, Tzuchayres, those who ride white donkeys. Yoichvei Almidin, those who sit in judgment. Vahoichvei Alderech Sicho, and travelers, they must speak. He says, Roichvei Asonos, Eilu Tamidei Chachomim Shemahalchi Meir Le'ilu Medina Medina Torah. These, these, uh, those who ride on donkeys refer to the Talmidei Chachomim who travel from city to city and country to country to learn Torah. Sechoros, what does white refer to? They make the Torah like daylight. And they put in a lot of effort to make sure it's clear, comprehensible and makes sense. Yoshvei Almidin sit in judgment. They judge the out. Judgments that are the ultimate truth. Okay, big discussion. What do you mean? Isn't all judgments supposed to be emes? What's emes la mitor? Truth, ultimate truth. Okay, the whole and those who walk elu mikra. That's those who learn chumash. Al derech, those who travel on the way elu mishnah. Those who learn mishnah. Sicho, those who talk into it elu talmud. Those who learn gemara. Shekol shichos on divrei Torah. Whenever they speaking, they speaking in the words of Torah. What does the Posuk mean when it says, The deceitful will not be able to roast what they trap. The crooked trap, uh, the crooked hunter, the crooked trapper will not be will not live and have a long life. So Rav Sheshes, Omar Rav Sheshes says. Sorry, sorry, I, I misread it. It's what does the post mean when it says Lo This crooked um, trapper, this crooked hunter, will not be able to roast his food. It says Lo This this crooked trapper will not live. He will not be have long life. What they explain is he traps too much. He always trying to learn new, new, new stuff, and he learns too much for him to be able to. Remember it. Rav Sheshes Omar Tzayit Haramayach Rav. Rav Sheshes learns it almost it's the same idea, but a positive one. He says, um, "Will the cunning hunter not roast his food?" And he says, "Kiyas Rav Dimi Omar Moshe Tzayit." Rav Dimi explained it in a 
parable to a trapper, Shetzadzipoirim, and he's trapping birds. Im Rishon Rishon Meshaber Knathov, if as he catches the bird he breaks the wings, Mishtamer, then he will keep it. The Imlav Ein Mishtamer, and if not, he will not be able to keep it. I, what's it saying? In other words, if you take a piece of Torah that you learn and you break it down, you make sure to put in effort to retain it, you review it, etc. You put in effort to keep it like this trapper who breaks his, who breaks the wings of the bird. So what I was saying is that uh, if, uh, if you put in effort to keep what you've learned, what you've trapped, you take a piece, as opposed to always focusing on learning new, 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 new stuff, then you'll, then it will stay with you. Otherwise, Sadly, a person will lose it. Omar Rav, Omar Rav Schoyer, Omar Rav Huna. Rav said in the name of Rav Schoyer, in the name of Rav Huna, My dear Siv, Hon may hevel yimat. Wealth gained through. So what does the Pasuk mean which says, Hon may hevel yimat. Wealth gained through vanity will diminish. Koyvets al yad yarbe. Someone who gathers little by little or by hand, it will increase. So the Gemara, so he explains this is an, an approach to learning Torah. If a person makes his focus on Torah study, getting more and more bundled, again, this concept of just trying to learn new and as much as possible, mismite, he will actually lose it because he won't be able to remember any of it. If not, he takes it little by little, Yarbe, then it will increase and you will learn a lot. Omar Rava, Omar Rava, Rava said, Yodai Rabbonin Lahai Milsav Avriyaleo. The sages know about this, but they actually transgress it. I, they know that they should be learning little by little and rather doing lots of revision and making sure that they remember it, but they actually don't listen to this. They focus on learning a lot. Rav Nachman Yitzhak testified about himself that he did this practice of learning only a little new things at a time and he um, and it stayed with him. His Torah, he remembered his Torah. Torah and Ketzad Yeah, so just um, now we go on to a new point, the order of the transmission of the oral law. It says, How was the Torah taught? So Moshe learned the Torah from Hashem. Aaron entered and Moshe taught him the Torah. Aaron moved when you know, Rashi points out when they were learning, you notice they always faced the Rebbe, the person who was teaching them, because the Potsuk says, You should see the person teaching you. And that's why they always sat. But when they were finished learning, then they moved to the side. So Aaron went and he sat. He faced Moshe. And once he had been taught, he went and stood on the left of Moshe. Then his sons entered and Moshe taught him the Torah again. Sorry, sorry. I'm just a bit distracted. Nistal Kubanov. Then his son stepped away from in front of Moshe. Elozo Yoshev Yomin Moshe. Elozo went to the right of Moshe. And Itamar the small Aaron. And Itamar went to the left of Aaron. Rabbi Yehuda Oimel Oilam Aaron the Yomim. Rabbi Yehuda said, No, at that point Aaron moved to the right. Not going to go into what they're debating there. Moshe Chosru Nichna Zekainim. Veshonolehem Moshe Pirkan. Moshe then. 
Then Chazav and Nichnasu Zakainim. The Zakainim, the elders came in. Veshanolahem Moshe Pirkan and Moshe taught them the Torah. Nistalku Zakainim and the Zakainim moved to the sides and Nichnasu Kolaham Veshanolahem Moshe Pirkan. And then Moshe repeated what he had learned, what he had taught the others to Bnei Israel. What do we see? Nimsa Biyad Aaron Arba. We see that Aaron had learned the Torah four times because Aaron learned the Torah directly from Moshe when Moshe taught his sons, when Moshe taught the Zakanim, and when Moshe taught Bnei Israel. So he had heard it four times. His sons who heard it second had only heard it three times, etc. Now, Nistalku Aaron. Sorry. Nistalku Moshe, Vashonolahem Aaron Pirko. Moshe left, and then Aaron taught the Torah. Nistalka Aaron, Aaron left, Shonulem Bonov Pirkon. Then the sons of Aaron taught the Torah. Nistalku Bonov, his sons left, and Shonulohem Zakanim Pirkon, and Zakanim then taught the Torah. Nimsa Biyara Kol Arbo. We see that everyone heard the Torah four times. And they each heard the, the chapter that they were learning, or the whole Torah, four times. Mikan Omar Rebi Eliezer, Chav Odom Lishnois Tamura Arba Poamim. We see that a person must at least review his studies four times. If Aaron, who learned Torah from Moshe, who had heard it directly from Hashem, how much more so a regular person learning from a regular person would have to do that? If you have the best, best teacher who's divinely inspired, you need to review what you're learning four times. Can you imagine a regular person learning? Um, Rabbi Akiva Oimer, Rabbi Akiva says, How do we know that a person is obligated to teach his students until he's able to, until he's actually taught him? And he taught it to B'nai Yisrael. So it's not good enough to just tell your students. You've got to actually teach it to them till they know it. And how do you know till they know it clearly? I've read through the Perik in Nach. It's now up to them to work out the messages and the commentaries and the deeper explanations. He says, no, placed it in their mouth. How do we know that he must also explain the reasons? What you place before them. I, it doesn't say what he wrote before them or what he told them or what he taught them. It says he placed it before them. I, when, when teaching Torah, it's not good enough to just say it. You've got to make sure it's said clearly and that they get it clearly. And it's not good enough to leave it up to them to just work out all the principles and stuff. You also have to teach those as well. And then obviously they'll be able to remember it and know it clearer. Now the Gomorrah just wants to analyze this train of transmission. It says, Why don't they all learn from Moshe? No, to give honor to Aaron, his sons, and the Zakanim. Moshe says, I'm not going to teach it every time. Let Aaron teach it. It's a great honor for Aaron, etc. The nail Aaron, the Nigmami Moshe. Why didn't Aaron just learn it from Moshe. Why did we have that Moshe taught it to Aaron, then Moshe taught it to Aaron's and his sons, then Moshe taught it to Aaron's sons and Zakanim. Why didn't Moshe just teach it four times to Aaron, then Aaron teach it four times to his sons, 
Then he stands four times to the Zakanim and the Zakanim four times to Bnei Israel. So he says, no, Kimen de Moshe Mipiagvura Gomar Milsa. Since Moshe heard it from Hashem, Moshe learned Torah from Hashem, it would be more effective. Very interesting. I think this is one of the aspects of Yeridus uh, Hadorah. The closer you are to Hashem, there's a special dimension of the Torah that's in that person. And therefore, when he gives it over, it's that much, I don't know, pure, that much uh, undiluted, and that much um, thing, and that's better. I mean, it's interesting enough, we find with all other studies, science, maths, medicine, etc., we're getting better. We know more. What a child is learning in school now, the greatest mathematicians wish they knew. Um, but with Torah, we say it's the opposite. The closer you are to Hashem, to Moshe's, receipt, to Moshe's teaching of the Torah, the more effective, the more it pierces your heart. This would tie back into what we saw yesterday. Remember, the earlier generations, their hearts were like the gates of the Ulam, the latter generation to receive the Torah. Their, the latter generations, their hearts were like the, like the Pischoshel Heichel, etc., um, each generation, their ability to absorb the Torah is less. I think this might be the flip side. Also, the way that it's because they're further from Matan Torah. Rabbi Yehuda said that after Aaron had gone to the right of Moshe, sorry, after Aaron had gone to the left of Moshe, when his two sons joined them, he moved to the right side of Moshe. Says command Oslo Hodetani, who does the following price to go like Shloisha Shehoyu Mahalchim Baderech Harab the Emsa the Godel Biyami the Katan Besmoila. When you have a Rav traveling on a journey, the greater one, the greater Talmud must go on the right, and the more junior Talmud Talmud must go on the left. Lame Rebbe Yehudi Velorabon, and this seems to be in line with Rebbe Yehuda and not Rabbonin, because Rebbe Yehuda said that Aaron, the greater Talmud, must go to the right. So it seems like that. It says, no, they didn't bother to move Aaron. I know I have to explain it. Um, but basically, when, uh, um, when, Aaron, when, when Moshe taught Aaron, Aaron had to go to the, um, to the left because it says that's the Derech Eretz is to walk on the left of your Rebbe so that he's on the, um, so that he's on the right. That's the Derech Eretz. But when there are two people on either side, well, then the greater Talmud should be on the right. So why didn't Aaron move over to the right, according to Rabbonin? Because once Aaron was already on the left, you leave him where he is. Now, I know it's late, but I just want to read the next story. It's an amazing, and then we'll leave it. It says, Rabbi Prater, I have obviously a lot, lot to discuss in the, in the value of Torah and teaching Torah and how to approach Talmudim, but let's just read through it quickly. Rabbi Prater, have a Talmud, Tani Arba Rav Prater had the student who had to teach the lesson to 400 times before he could learn it. I took him four, he had to explain it 400 times before the Talmud was actually able to comprehend it. Yumachad, boiler, milsa de mitzvah. One day in the middle of the lesson, they came and asked Rabbi Prater, when you finish, can you come help us with a certain mitzvah? Says Tonalei Velogomer, he taught it to his student 400 times and he didn't, we wasn't able to learn it. Omelei, my son says, what's different about today? Yesterday, the last few weeks, every time I taught it to you 400 times, you're able to learn. I taught it to you 400 times today and you don't get it. She says, Omelei, midahi shaisa, to Omelei lamar, ikam yilsa, the mitzvah, atzvila daite vachol shaisa, amina, hashtag koi mar, hashtag koi mar. He says, no, because from the moment they came in and told you we're going to need you to help us with a certain mitzvah, he says, I was stressed, I was anxious that 
maybe now you're going to leave, maybe now you're going to leave. So the Talmud says, I was distracted with this anxiety of you're going to leave me before I understood it, and therefore I wasn't able to know. It says, Omalei, Havdatcha, pay attention, Vaasni Lech, and I'll teach it to you again. Haratanalei Dalid Zimni, he went and taught, Akhrini taught it a second 400 times. Nafka Bas Kalav Omalei, so Baskal came out and said to him, Lis Telefisu Lechod Dalid Meashoni, Oi Tatiskias. Uh, what would you prefer? 400 years added to your life or uh, or that you and your generation get Olam Haba. So Omar Deniski Ana Vidari La Ahmad Asi says, Ah, choose that me and my generation get Olam Haba. So Omar Lohem Akarashbohu Tanu Tanu Lo Zuvazu. It's giving both rewards. Give him and his generation Olam Haba and give him an extra 400 years. Just a few points uh, um, understand. Yeah, just a few very valuable points. Firstly, we see a Rebbe's obligations to his Talmud. The obligation is to make sure that your student's gomar, he learns it, he gets it, he gets it. It's in his heart. It's part of, it's now, gomar we often use as the word of the tradition. So it's now in him like part of the valuable tradition that learning the Torah is and that we're passing on. That's your obligation when teaching someone. Secondly, we see that the, ch- the student has to have peace of mind and he has to feel that you have the time of day for him. You can't be, okay, fine, I'll teach it to you again. That's not good enough. You've got to be happy and at least let him feel that he has your time of day and that you're there for him so that he's able to learn calmly and relax without the stress of feeling, oh, my Rebbe's going to run away. Um, we see also the um, another idea I heard on this just last night is that... Um, we see Hashem gave him another 400 years. The time you, they said the time you invest in teaching and helping other people in Torah learning, you won't lose out. You might think, look, I've got my own Torah learning to get to. I've got my own Chavrusa. Uh, you know, what about me? This is not the time you invest in teaching to people Torah, in helping other people, will not detract from your life. Like Rabbi Prater got an extra 400 years. And we also see the value of making sure uh, Torah continues in the Jewish people is that it merits the whole generation uh, so just some of the main principles regarding Torah learning. Again, there was a lot in the stuff, a lot of important principles and a lot to go into. But I think two of the main principles, one is you must learn aloud. Learn aloud. Don't just think it. When you're looking at the page of Gomorrah, don't just look at the words. Say the words. When you're reading through the Chumash, don't just think the words. Don't just scan them with your eyes. Say the words. And the second very important principle we saw, quite, uh, second very important principle we saw is... Anova, humility, you have to be humble, humble yourself and then you'll be able to learn Torah. And I'll say one more, third one is Chazorah. You've got to review what you're learning. When you remember what, when you review it, you'll remember it. When you, you'll get it clear, you'll understand it better and then it will stick with you. Okay, have a Chag Koshev Asameach. I don't know if we say Chag Koshev Asameach, but have a very good Sukkot. I guess your Lulav and Estrog and Sukkot should also be kosher.